0: Lock toll. Bye, everybody.
1: You're welcome. I stroll through
2: the pictures What I've left behind. You want to get...
1: I'm locked up in memories They all intertwine The memories living In my my, mind I know tomorrow Cause that zone will come Just what you've done.
2: Good evening everybody and welcome
1: to Stop Child Abuse Now, the radio show of NASCA, the National Association of Survivors, of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse. I'm going to begin by reading the mission statement of NASCA. We have a single purpose at NASCA, to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas, and neglect. And we do so with only two goals. One, educating the public, especially as related to helping society get over its taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse. Presenting facts showing child abuse to be a pandemic worldwide problem that affects everyone, and two, offering hope and healing through numerous paths, providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse, and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. And my name is Annie Marges. I'm one of your hosts tonight, and... I am here with Pastor Deb from Florida, and I'm going to read you a little bit about Pastor Deb. She's going to be our survivor professional co-host tonight. Okay, Pastor Deborah Schleich, who grew up all over the world in a military family where her mother was mentally ill. She is now a survivor professional. Living in Penn School of Florida, she's trained in ministry, mental health, working with substance abuse, and is a trauma-informed social worker, all in one. She volunteers with many community organizations. Pastor Deborah says she can minister by text, phone, Skype, in person, and however the Lord directs her, 24-7. She teaches that humans have three parts, being the spirit, soul, and the physical body, and believes that all three are important and that each area needs care. We look forward to Pastor Deborah being an active member of the NASCA family for a long time. On these episodes on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we welcome various co-hosts, survivor professionals, who will assist in fielding questions and lead a variety of topics suggested by our call-in participants. Their trauma-informed perspectives as survivor professionals will help them guide discussions on the issues of child abuse, trauma, and healthy human sexuality that spring from questions and topics brought to us by our listeners everyone is invited to engage on tonight's show. And to do so, you can just call on the phone. Our phone number to call in is 646-595-2118. Area code 646-595-2118. Call in and we'll welcome you onto the show and you can ask questions of Pastor Deborah Or make comments um, and become part of the family. And with that, Pastor Deborah, I'll turn it over to you. Right. Thank you, Miss Annie. Glad to hear you. Thank you. Uh, How you been doing? So, do we have? Do we have a topic we're going to address tonight, specially? Yes, I do. Yes, ma'am. I wrote it down. Uh, the topic okay. uh, we can t- is called "What Needs Healing in Someone Who Has Had Childhood Sexual Abuse, and What Would That Healing Look Like, and Is It Possible?" Sort of three in one. Because a lot of people, you know, they have the trauma from childhood sexual abuse. And, you know, many of them go into therapy or treatment. But I don't know if they know what, what they you know, what the healing is they're looking for. And sometimes mm-hmm. it helps if somebody says, um, this happened, like if you broke your arm. Well, your, arm, your bones need healing. Your skin needs healing. And the doctors know if we put a cast on your arm, as soon as possible, there won't, it will heal back if we keep it still. And then it will be a little weak because the muscles haven't been used, but it can heal and they know what the bones will look like when they've grown back. So in child abuse, a lot of people may not know what happens, what gets broken in a child. So they don't maybe know what needs healing. And they may not know, well, how do you heal that? You can't put a cast on your brain. Or how how would you heal your memories? Or what actually needs healing? So that was sort of the topic. And if, you know, like if you went for therapy, do you go in there with, well, I have these problems that are broken in my life, and I need them healed, so what is your, you know, a treatment for that? Like if you went to the doctor for some medical problem. And uh, the doctors, you know, have trained to know, Well, if you have this problem we do that and we provide this medication and we do this and so I wanted to bring up in this particular topic um, what needs healing inside of a person Um, typically if there's been bruises or say um, hurt to the genital areas or the rectum or say you know they've been whatever those usually heal over time, but then the people seem to have, be a mess. So I wanted to bring up that topic of what needs healing. So uh, any listener or younger person could say, oh, now I kind of know what's wrong with me because I've heard some older people who have been healed, and they told me this area of my thinking or memories or Relationships relationship was broken, we'll say, broken. And it has to be healed. And they told their story on NASCA. And they said this is how they got that part of their, say, mind or their heart or their feelings or their life healed. And then they, the younger ones would say, okay, I heard what needs to be fixed. And I heard that there are people that can help me. And now I know what that healing looks like. So that was sort of the topic that I wanted to bring up and have people uh, just, you know, discuss or comment on. All right. I think that's a wonderful topic. And um, I feel like I want to answer some of it. Um, okay. We do have another question. Another caller coming on, but they're not on yet, so I'm going to go ahead and, and make a couple comments myself. When you said hurt her to the genitals and rectums heal Yes, ma'am. My body reacted. My body reacted, and I thought, mm-hmm. "hmm, maybe I haven't completely healed from that. You know, emotionally, I may have healed physically, but I still have a reaction to it. Okay. And, now um, would healing mean mm-hmm. that if somebody said those words that you would have no reaction to it? Would that is that what healing would mean? No reactions to mm-hmm. those words. Is that what that means? Yeah, and I, and I, lot of I think so. I mean, you yeah, know I people so talk about um wouldn't. Well, what kind of reaction did you have? Um, A creepy feeling and um, kind of, you know, kind of butterflies in the stomach. Okay. Now what you, okay, okay. Now if you study, there's a wonderful lady called Dr. Snipes. I've, I've listened to her. She's excellent. She talks about we have a, what they call the vargas nerve, I may not say it right, from our brain down through our stomach, everywhere. So, like, if something bad happens to you, you just don't feel like eating. You know, your stomach's upset because something uh, in the nerve system gets triggered. So all I did was say some words to you, right? And you had a thought or a memory of a painful time probably, nanoseconds flashed, right? Nanoseconds. I said the word and you had a feeling. Mm -hmm. Okay? So what a lot Mm -hmm. of child abuse survivors as adults or teenagers, they don't know what They can say this happened to me, but they don't know what's broken. Okay? They don't know what's unwell. They don't know what they're... What words are What is a trigger And I think we as older people Who way on down the road We can help them to say This is what I What sort of A person growing up that has not Been sexually abused Or any child abuse This is how they would respond To that word This is how the holidays would be Uh, They don't have these memories Uh, You know they don't uh, have these thoughts, okay? So would they be considered yeah. well, healthy, unabused? And so helping people to define, like if you needed a therapist, and you go in and you say, uh, dear doctor or counselor, I know I've got some bad thinking, got some triggers, some memories, uh, something... Because something bad happened. I broke something. Something got broken in me, okay, because I had childhood trauma. You know, you go in, and they can even x-ray, you know, your bones and see, like, if you had a broken arm and it didn't get set correctly, and when it healed, it didn't heal like it was supposed to. And sometimes they'll go back, you know, and re-break the arm to set it correctly. But, in mental health work, especially with feelings, memories, events that happened a long time ago, we don't know what got broke. We don't know uh what areas within us uh, where did hope did we what was hope okay why you know why? And so I wanted to just bring the topic up so people can start thinking. Um, where where am I broken? You know, we hear about a broken heart, right? What yeah. does that mean? My heart was broken. What does that mean? And so sometimes in mental health work, in helping people to heal, say, from the past, The therapist doesn't even know what to look for except what they've been trained. So I just wanted to bring that topic up. And then as advocates, you would say, here's what's been broken in you as a child. Here's what needs fixing. And if you get it fixed with, you know, proper treatment, whatever that could mean, with the proper doctor, you know, as you go because there's some bad doctors out there, and you get it fixed... Mm -hmm. This is what healing would look like. Okay. And that's what I just wanted to bring up for discussion so people could comment Mm -hmm. on it. Okay, great. We have a caller with us tonight. Her name is Cindy, and
2: I will bring her on. Good evening, Cindy. Hi. Would you like to ask
1: a question or make a comment?
2: Oh um well, um thank you guys for being here. I, I really, really appreciate the show. Um I, I think it's really helpful to have this space to talk and about the stuff. Um and yeah, I mean I think I don't know. I don't I, I don't know. I just kind of I'm not sure people sometimes people really do like there's I guess feel broken, but I hate to think like that, you know, and it's kind of like, there's degrees of wellness, right, like, so it's kind of like, you know, I, I maybe I, you know, we're more like, like, maybe physically, I'm like, you know, kind of in the middle, and like, you know, where's my head, um, you know what I mean, like, there's just like different mm-hmm. kind of degrees, mm-hmm. just you know, because I don't know if we're like really sick or well. We're just mm-hmm. kind of like
1: sometimes and we feel better
2: and sometimes we feel worse.
1: And that's part of the the dilemma out there um, because it's hard to describe how you're feeling and thinking. What terminology do you put on it? And yeah, when okay, you don't know. Am I crazy? Oh, we can't say that word. Is that, do I have, you know, is my thinking. Probably different
2: different for everybody, right? Like, you know. It's
1: based on your culture. It's based on Uh what you've been brought up around, your culture, okay, and what you're uh, used to seeing. uh, You know, when you're a child, say, ages zero, okay, to maybe five, you're at home. You watch whatever or listen to the radio or music, whatever your parents or older brothers and sisters, you listen to them. Uh, but, and that's your culture and um, babies are very uh, intuitive they're listening all the time their eyes are watching okay mm-hmm. and you know their mm-hmm. brains are trying to uh, take in sensory information and uh, the neurons you know are developing and The uh, electrical activity is, you know, going off. And a lot is in early development. And, you know, they are just receivers of and responding, you know, back to stimuli or (coughs) pleasure or pain. So in childhood sexual abuse, most people do not know what is commonly happens. During the abuse, they don't know why it happens when you're a child. And as you grow older, they go... They they don't want to believe that this happened, so they forget it or put it behind the door, compartmentalize it. So or when, they're
2: threatened, so they don't talk about or it. Or they're yeah.
1: threatened, yeah. So, <laughs> or
2: they're, yeah. Now, yep.
1: Okay. But we <laughs> as people... We have to be able to speak about, we'll call it child. What what is considered normal? Normal, excuse me. Childhood development. What needs to be in a child's life for them to feel safe, loved, for them to trust, for them to grow up and express themselves, and to, um, you know, a child goes through stages of total dependence to slowly becoming independent and then slowly working their way, you know, to go out on their own and having their own family, so to speak. And at the same time, most therapists don't take child development. And they, they, a, a pediatrician knows, well, you've got to have certain minerals and vitamins for your muscles to grow. And one of the things I learned a lot, we'll just talk about food. And I was going to the gym a lot. Men who wanted to build up their muscles, they knew what muscles were built of, protein. And they would had a routine where they would work this day, I'm working my shoulders, next day I'm working my legs. They would drink their protein shakes. They didn't eat a lot of fattening stuff. Females who wanted to lose weight would look at a magazine with all these recipes and they didn't study food, carbs, sugar, salt, water, nothing. And so there was a difference between, I'm trying to get to a goal and we'll use being mentally healthy, okay, whatever that means. Some people really will study, huh, I got some areas I don't feel safe. Uh, I I don't trust people. Uh, I don't have a lot of hope. I'm very touchy. I'm irritable. Um, You know, that kind of thing or something. I'm having nightmares. Is that normal? And because the abuse is such a, a, how do I say it, an attack. It's done in the darkness, usually private. It's such a violent Um, thing that happens to a child, and uh, so as advocates and people who are through NASCA who are trying to help other people, because it's still happening, or to help judges understand or governmental officials, we've got to have some very good clarity That you could say, sir, when this happens to a child, this growth in this child's estimate is considered dead. It's perverted. It's twisted. What we need is a good, say, citizen that can go to work, we'll say vote, raise a family, work, and, you know, not be a bad guy or whatever you want to call it. That gets all disrupted in childhood. And because of this attack or this abuse. And this is what happens to the child when that occurs. And um, a lot of your wonderful, like I was a guardian at litem, they know what happens physically to the child. You know, they got the pictures. But they really don't, really, a lot of those advocates really don't know what is going on mentally. Uh, They're more interested in just getting the child to talk. Tell us what happened so they can bring a charge, you know, a criminal uh, offense against somebody. And a lot of your play therapists, you know, I mean, most people know what the sex act is, you know, and all of that. But a lot of them don't recognize it's like foster care, a beneficial product is that a beneficial thing for treatment of a child when you're only temporarily and you're going back to your parents Um, how do drug and alcohol play into this culture religion how does uh, you know education Um, all kinds of things religion and um, and a lot of advocates will even say they don't know okay so I just wanted to bring the topic up. What needs to be healed? What? And give a list of three things within yourself that you said that you might say. This is pretty typical of what gets broken. We'll say out of joint that needs to be healed. So I'll leave it there. Okay. Thank you. That's a great question what needs to be healed i think i probably have a list but i would like to go to bill bill who is the founder of nasca is on the line with us bill would you like to uh, answer any of that what needs to be healed
0: uh, i want to make the point first of all that children who are abused as, uh, as uh, yeah as as youngsters and don't get help as youngsters it's guaranteed that they're going to grow up and be molded in a different way because of their experiences than quote normal kids unquote. That's what trauma is. Trauma is not the experience of being sexually abused. It's the result of the ex- sexual excuses. It's the it's the um, you know it's the the repercussions and uh, mm-hmm. that. There's a, there's, a, there's a whole basket full of those. That's where we have in common, by the way. Those of us who are here will recognize that they'll hear little pieces of their story and so forth, and usually what we're definitely going to identify with is these broken feelings, these broken sense of self, the keeping of the secret, the fear, the shame, you know, uh, the not being able to trust, the making bad choices. All these things are, are results of the trauma that appear when we become adults, mostly. And now that we're Mm -hmm. an adult, uh, you know, we may hopefully come to a place where we realize, looking back, that this stuff has been going on for a while in us, and although we were just kind of accepting it, um, that we're now hearing messages from the four of us, for example, that you don't have to keep the secret anymore. It doesn't have to be, you know, in charge of you. You can get in front of it. But you can only do that if you apply certain principles, and there's a bunch of them that are not, there's no one set, but there's a bunch of sets. But anyway, if you get interested in moving towards healing and away from the pain and the, uh, you know, the, away from the pain and the trauma and towards the healing and the recovery, um, then that can, you know, result in a uh, survivor of child abuse you know actually going back to growing again because we stopped growing frankly when that we That is were, correct. when we are when we were when, when we're when we're abused that's pretty much where our growth stops because you know we we now go inside ourselves inside our experience you know but anyway mm-hmm. um, these are there's so many things that we need to fix uh and but we what we need to do basically is get started because you know It has been shown over and over and over again that if a person genuinely gets started on something like this, that they can begin to heal. They don't heal all all at once, uh, but they can begin to heal, and over time they do get better. And uh, now that, you know, people might be listening to us on this radio show, we want them to know the NASCAR organizations is, of course, thousands of people who have all had similar experiences, not the factual parts, but the feelings parts and the thinking parts and the decision making that's broken and so forth that's what we that's what we have in, very much in common and um, because we have it in common there are a variety of ways that we, we share with each other that you can uh, steps you can take that are again towards healing and away from the problem.
1: Thank you Bill. You're welcome. Deborah, I'll let you respond more to that if you like. Okay. Uh, that Bill always has great things to say. And uh, yeah. one of the things that, uh, like I said, I can talk from both mental health and pastoral type is that uh, even in mental health counseling, when people are in therapy, the client like, well, doesn't really know a lot of times what all needs to be healed and that's where it really takes you as a person to go there's something wrong with me it's not right and to seek out like Bill said and there are many different ways and different kinds of people and circumstances that can help and a lot of people you know they are I think even Annie said this that they are afraid of getting healing and um afraid to move forward because it's like you're growing up and, um you know, you don't want to expose what happened to you and you don't have maybe a friendly environment to be in and maybe your friends, if you have them, they... They don't want to listen to it, and they don't want to believe that that happened, and that kind of thing. But as an advocate and somebody that goes, it's bad things happen to us as children. So many bad things happen, and it affects us. It's trauma, and it brings uh, unwanted things into our lives, and. We build memories and we have uh, triggers with them. And what happens is most of our parents, uh, I don't know about you guys, but mine was a family was a code of silence. And most families are that way. And so until you get away from it, and you'll see a lot of teenagers acting out, rebelling, running away from home, and become runaways because they're trying to get away from that family system where they can't get help that is uh, holding them back, then others, they do not have the memories of what happened. They have no clue. It's all been locked down in their mind that they've disassociated, and they don't even remember what happened later, maybe as an adult, and they've got their own family, and um, that kind of thing, but everybody needs to know that bad things happen to just about all of us, and we all need some type of healing from thoughts or memories or feelings um, or, you know, feeling safe and loved by somebody that's non-judgmental, And um, there's some just excellent, wonderful, true stories out there that when truth does come out and maybe a parent does say, yes, I know that happened to you, and please forgive me. I didn't do anything to, you know, um, stop it. And when I got into the pastoral work, I got thrown into with some of the most severely, severely abused children who are now adults. And they had multiple personalities, and they were in occultism and um, hardcore ick and just horrible stuff. And how they survived was they disassociated. And they could have a part that... uh, an identity that went to work, went to church, raised their hands, had a, a total different life. And then in the dark at nighttime, something else came up. So, But for to know what healing is, it always helps people when they have the issues to be able to know, yes, you can be healed. And, you know, even if you have to set a broken arm. When the doctor has to take a broken arm or even uh, just watched a movie and your shoulder gets out of place and they got to pop it back into its socket, it hurts, you know, to fix a broken leg or arm and reset the bone, you know, the way it's supposed to be set so it can grow over time and get strong. And so sometimes healing is hurts. And um, it is painful emotionally, and uh, sometimes it's very painfully physically. But people, sometimes they need to know that sometimes that is what needs to happen. Then other times, you know, people have to have understanding of what happened. Uh, Now, how do I go on in life? You know, how do I have a wonderful marriage or relationship and not you know and trust and feel safe and so us advocates out here who've been out a long time are are wonderful voices to help them so i just wanted to bring that topic up could anybody say what is one thing that they needed healing with in their own life and they believe they've got that healed? That's a wonderful question. I can answer that. One thing I needed healing was my social anxiety, because I really couldn't function, and I okay, got now that tell, healing. Right. What does that mean, social anxiety? Define that for us, Miss Annie. I was afraid of people. Um, I was afraid of my coworkers. Every time I would have a what conversation, does that mean? Okay. my body. All right. Well, it's, okay. I, I would what get, does like, that mean? my body. Mm-hmm. Okay. What? What were you afraid of? I'm trying to get you. We hear that term, social anxiety. What you were afraid of people? What were you afraid? Or were they going to do something to you? Were they going to hit you? Were you afraid of them finding out your secret? Were you afraid they're going to beat you up? call you names what was the fear about the people that you know made you afraid of my secret I was afraid they would find out I had a great deal of shame and um, it's interesting I didn't always remember the abuse but I still had the shame so I had shame about other things which didn't really make like, sense it was kind L- of crazy like shame. what okay all right like what Amy? I was shame? I was ashamed of my belly I had to cover up my belly I was ashamed of my belly I was ashamed of my okay. house I could never have anybody come over to my house, I was just terrified if they would okay. see my house, and it wasn't okay. wasn't a bad house. It was no reason, you know? Okay. Yeah. But you knew you were afraid of people for many different reasons. Okay, so you were able yes. to, okay, pinpoint that one little area, and it what it was a, sounds like a, for many different reasons. Then you had feelings attached not only with the fear but you said you had uh you were ashamed so there's uh okay now how did that get healed in your life remember somebody will listen wow, to this. what did, did, did you do that. what did you do to overcome the fear of people and the shame that went along with that i know one thing i did was get older and realize that nobody really cares about me except me. Nobody cares what I look like. Nobody cares if my house is clean. Nobody cares what my past is. Really, people don't care. And I have nothing to be ashamed about because they're not thinking of those things. Those things are not even in their minds, you know? How did that come to you? I also, how did that come to me? Yeah, was it like over time? Yeah, oh, was it, it over it, time? People, or, okay. Yeah, I would see, you know, young people, they would say, oh, I'm too fat. Oh, I'm too this. And I would say, oh, my no, you're so beautiful. <sighs> and I would mm-hmm. eventually, it was like, yeah, I'm the same thing. I I complain okay. about myself that I'm this and I'm that, but really I'm beautiful. So you started hearing other people saying and looking. And you and through other experiences, as you were older, some realization had started coming to you that all your fears were unfounded. Something like that. Yes, that's a good explanation yeah. of it, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you know, people have yeah, the same nobody things. Was yeah. mm-hmm. Did that dawn on you all of a sudden or did it take a little bit of time? time, it would, you know, I would think of it, and then I would forget it, and then I would think of it again. Um, yeah, it definitely took time. But now, if someone is listening and hears this, perhaps it won't take time for them, because they'll see it right away. That would mm-hmm. be good. Okay. Yeah, there's no it's reason busy. to
2: feel to feel shame. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I... <laughs> I kind of wanted to tag on what she was saying a little bit um, because, you know, I do think shame is uh, taught to a degree. Absolutely.
1: Yeah.
2: And, you know, there's so many different things that help us. Because it's like, you know, people say, like, oh, you should love yourself. Um, But really, you know, it, it takes a lot of sort of examining what does that mean, and, like, Mm -hmm. to love yourself, and and how do you do that, Um, and, you know, kids actually need adult support, you know, and so, Mm -hmm. like, (laughs) you know, uh, they, we kind of have to survive the best that we can with the situation that we have, and, like, you know, um, even though it's, it's sort of a painful thing to say, I think that, you know, there is a degree of, Somebody like you know just just because the people that care about you maybe aren't sitting in front of you right now, it doesn't mean that you aren't cared about you know and learning to care about yourself you know it's it's really part that that that's the thing about like being with someone who cares about you all of the time, but um, I just I, I didn't I wasn't laughing at you I was laughing with you when you were like talking about my belly and like I need to hide in my belly, um you know definitely there's there's a lot of that kind of stuff around me, like, um, you know, trying to make you feel ashamed of yourself. Like there's something wrong with your body. There's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with your sexuality. And like, you know, you can be told those things and, um, you know, kids are going to like, you know, they're trying to figure it out. Right. And so they are doubting themselves, especially if they get those messages from a lot of different areas. And, um, you know, when I first went to college and started studying, like, sociology, like, how people act in groups and, um, you know, violence and, and, and things like, you know, how, I mean, really, it's like part of how they indoctrinated people into Nazism was, like, they would tear you down, right? And then they tell you that, you know, you're one of them, right, when you do what they want you to do. And, um, You know, you've got people who, you know, it's not just internal all the time. Sometimes it comes from outside forces where somebody is literally telling you, "You you're not good enough, you'll never be good enough, you're ugly, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, But the college, the education that I had did help me just to recognize, like at first it was really depressing because it was like I could just see – people being bad to each other and it, it was just hard to deal with um and I had a professor actually oh my god I was like 18 years old and I'm sitting in class and this guy comes up to me and it's my first day in college and he's like how do you know you're a heterosexual and I like almost died and I dropped the class um because it was just so, like, you know, I, I don't really think I want to have this conversation with you and all of these people right now. Like, it just felt like such a violation. Um, but, like, being taught to be quiet and be polite, um, it, it makes it harder to stand up for yourself. And it really helped me just to, like, I mean... I took classes, I took classes in women's studies and it was like, you know, our history has been that women have been subordinated and, you know, and and it happens to men too. Like there was this violent society and, you know, women were treated like objects and, um, you know, when you realize that it's, it really isn't just you, that can be a a first step and help and, 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 and helpful, you know But like, I Okay, so I was really sick for years Because I survived some profound, profound severe stuff um, And I couldn't talk about it You know, like I had an eating disorder People knew I had an eating disorder I tried to be polite I tried to act normal I tried to hang out around normal people So I could learn to be normal um, But there were things that I could not talk about My mind could not deal with it And I was really sick for years. I was like a psych ward surfer. Um, And, you know, eventually I found my way with, like, helping people, um, like being in little jobs where I felt like I could be helpful, um, you know, taking care of people. I worked in the hospitals as an aide. That really helped me. Um, because I felt like I was doing something, like I'm brushing somebody's teeth, like I'm really being helpful right now. Um, But, you know, eventually I I got through school and eventually I got a master's degree and I've actually, you know, worked as a professional for years and years and years. Um, But I have to tell you that it's like you always kind of have to be able to love yourself and get through some pain because I like recently had some pain because I talked to somebody that I went to school with and I told her about things that happened to me, and she straight up told me that she thought that I was delusional. That she, uh, you know, knew that I had had diagnoses. And so, um, I'm sorry I'm talking so long, but mental health stigma, mental health stigma. Like, I'm sorry, you were once a mental patient, so therefore now you're talking to me about something that I don't want to believe. So mm-hmm. I think you're delusional. it's, mm-hmm. it's like You do have to deal with people like that sometimes, and sometimes Mm -hmm. it's heartbreaking. And I've also noticed that, you know, and this this is another thing that can be hard, too. If you go a long time around people where, like, you sort of tolerate a level of disrespect and you're unable to always support yourself and you've never talked about these things before – it's a real game changer when you start to stand up for yourself and it's a real game changer when you start to express things. So like you definitely might want to pick and choose when you're ready to talk to certain people, but it's also very good to just do whatever you can. Like you need to assure yourself of who you are, that you're not going to always get that validation from somebody else. Right. Like, you Mm -hmm. really have to, you know, talk to people that are going to support you. So when you run into the people that don't support you, you're stronger,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: you know, or Mm -hmm. talk to yourself in a supportive way. I don't know, you know. I mean, (laughs) it's like sometimes we just think that's like, okay, where's the magic elixir just to make everybody feel
1: (laughs) great right
0: now?
1: Yeah.
2: And it's what's interesting as adults
1: now, we can all realize how complex our human nature is, our thinking, our emotions, how experiences, good or bad, relationships, are all a part of, we'll call it, the human experience. And what happens when we're children, we're supposed to be developing from our parents and our family, the culture around us. All of the, we'll say, good things we need to be out there in the world as teenagers and adults, you know, that takes years. Uh, when I was in um, studying early childhood development, we learned that by the time a child is five years old and he goes, he or she goes to kindergarten, that about 80 to 90 percent of a lot of their concepts about authority, obedience, is already formed. And so when they get there and the kindergarten teacher says, sit down, be quiet, in in a calm voice, they've already decided whether they're going to obey it or not because of their training that they had at home and you can see if you just go to the Walmart walk around and shop and observe children at, in the shopping carts crying to be picked up have attention being neglected uh, getting a cookie uh, or a bottle when they're crying when maybe they just want you to they don't want to be in their little crib and they want to be out and see what's going on or they want to get out of the shopping cart And mom is totally oblivious to it and just not paying any attention to them. And what you start learning is so much of our foundation as people, humans, our needs, how we get them met, uh, the desires, you know, for friends and love and having identity and uh, not being ashamed and all that is formed in early childhood. Then when as you know when you hit school uh other people and their cultures of their family you run smack dab into them. So when you're out there and you're looking and people are responding to you in whatever ways they're just the result of their backgrounds, their culture, what they've been taught, you know, what's we'll say what's right and what's wrong. How you're to act, how you're to interact. So a how child who, yeah. so a child who's been abused as a child. Everything that's supposed to say, be set in foundations, and be built upon, and have them anchored, and biblically, the word is that the anchor of the soul that holds everything together when things are blowing in the wind, you know, like a storm, is love. So when love has been destroyed, okay, perverted, twisted, my parents are supposed to protect me, and they don't. This doesn't feel like love in my mother's arms. Um, You know, they're supposed, when I cry or get hurt, they're supposed to, protect me love protects so when we're a child and trauma comes all that was supposed to be we'll call it like if you're going to build a big tall uh, building the deep foundations that we don't see that are in the ground that hold up the building they are built faulty they're missing parts uh, whatever they got it's not solid not good And it can't hold the building up straight and solid. So childhood is so important. And uh, so when it is, what's called, uh, things happen, what is supposed to be, we'll say, a child filled with love and dignity and feel safe and have wonderful relationships within family, learn how to solve problems and... Things like that, that all get disrupted, and um, so then if the parents are not good teachers, and the family around them, and the brothers and sisters, then the child, and then throw in sexual abuse, the child, what should have been developed to prepare it for life outside the family, you know, school, work, uh, adult relationships. It's all been perverted, broken, twisted, and it's inadequate. It's uh, it's hardly functioning, uh, can't provide strength. Uh, things become, you know, uh, fearful. And so childhood is so important. And I can tell you uh, there's not a lot of childhood development classes taught even in junior high school, okay, and, um, or high school, and not many kids <laughs> get the birds and the bees talk. And not many kids know what good sexual relationships are. And sex is a natural thing, it's supposed to be between adults. But now you've got some other issues going on. And a lot of mental health work, they don't want to talk about it. They don't know about it. But the goal is always, hey, bad things happen to us. And as Andy said, she got healed in just one area. (coughs) Sometimes the healing, you get those aha moments and you realize that's not who you are anymore. And you can trust. Some people read a book go to a group some people uh you know having a baby or getting married love comes flowing on top of them and all that bad is just gone and they forget about it and then sometimes at the death of people's parents they go that's okay i love you you're my mama you brought me into the world and so some things, but healing is important, and people need to know it is there. You may have to walk for it, it may take time, may become in many different ways, through many different forms, and um, that kind of thing. So that was the topic. And Annie, what's another area that you can say that you've gotten healed in? Okay. Hmm. We got that one that you said. Yeah, self-esteem definitely. I I used to have no self-esteem at all, and just um. Okay. You know, I just thought right, I was stop stupid right there. Awful and awful. Okay. Oh, okay, so you all uh, right? Tell us what self. If you were talking to somebody, Annie, that what define what self-esteem is. What would be the normal? We'll say normal, healthy. Self-esteem of a person. What would that look like? It it would be knowing that I'm okay. Nothing wrong with me. I'm I'm a perfectly okay person, and I can I can function in the world with other people. Um, not feeling that I'm really weird, and
2: you know, nobody wants to talk to me.
1: Okay. Well, see, that's that word self-esteem is used as well. and a lot. The, and and uh, being a teacher, you've got to get definitions. Like, what does the word healing mean? Does that mean that? I mean, I think it's a process, memories, right? It can be. It's
2: like Go I ahead. mean, like your whole life, probably, like that. You learn more. Like you grow in sort mm-hmm. of ways, and like you get stronger about like certain things and how you see things and how you feel, mm-hmm. like. You know, when he mm-hmm. becomes like richer, hopefully, as you get yeah, older.
1: Like. Yeah. And as when, when you're at this level, you know, of Naska, and you're an advocate, and you're trying to help people, and you're trying to get help, it's always good to know. You know, like if I, if I a therapist, or you know, even as a pastor will say, "Tell me what you want me to help you with. What's broken? Why are you here?" What's not working? Okay. You know, I got these strange thoughts, okay? Tell me about them, okay? And why are they like that? And then the therapist has to know how do thoughts get created? How do you change thoughts? How do you change what you think about yourself? Uh, Who determines what you think about yourself? You're... Do your own thoughts or somebody else's words tell, define who you are or what happened to you? So, and so in healing, you need a lot of, lot of times education, reading books about things. Uh,
0: mm-hmm. You
1: need to understand sort of being a pastor. I talk to God and pray, and I hear his voice. You tell that to some pastors or mental health counselors, they're going to say, Honey, you need to be on medication
0: because you're hearing
1: voices. Okay? So I can't tell that to everybody because they don't believe God talks. Okay? Just read the book. And if you're hearing it, then you're hearing voices. Okay? Now, are those people weird? Are they abnormal? No, they've just been brought up in their culture either in their mental health training or they have been brought up in uh, their particular religious thing and that's what they believe. So here I am hearing God's voice and they're thinking I'm mentally ill. So sometimes you can have systems, okay, culture, religions, mental health uh, things, I remember when I was working with a a lady, she was hearing voices all the time. Now, this was before my spiritual training. So I would call her psychiatrist because they really don't know what causes schizophrenia. Okay? You're hearing voices. They don't know if you hear voices first, and therefore you then got the problems, or you get the problems or a chemical imbalance, then you hear the voice. They don't know. A lot of it is chemical imbalance. Okay, so they put you on, you know, anti-depression medication. Well, does that change your self-esteem? Does that make people love you? You know? And so healing is a, a, a big topic. And I would think we all would want to study it, learn about the different areas of healing, What needs, what's broken in us? Uh, is it our self-confidence? Is that self-esteem? Why are we supposed to like ourselves? Who taught us that? Who taught us that we're supposed to love ourselves? Is that mental health? Where did we get that? Did somebody teach us to hate ourselves? Or did that just sort of come with the act of sexual abuse that we felt so ashamed, and then somebody told us that we're no good. So did seeds of words get planted in us as children? Now, some of us, that happened to, I, in my case, it was nobody was talking about nothing. Nobody was saying one word about any. We were just kind of left all alone in a weird, strange family that had issues. And I wasn't prepared to go out in relationships, wasn't prepared to go out into the world. So my family, because my mother and father had issues, they couldn't prepare me. So when a child gets, uh, you know, abused, they're not prepared, we'll say, to go out into the world, which could be first elementary school or then you know, junior high school. And there's just no preparation for how many of you got the birds and the bees talk or about, you know, puberty. You know, most of us don't get it. And then are there any classes in elementary school about self-esteem, loving your neighbor, how to talk and be nice to people? Did any of you guys have that? No. Wow. So there's a lot that I had to learn that when, as a mental health therapist, you sat in an office or volunteered somewhere, and you either went to people who had problems, like the jail. You knew they broke the law and they got issues. So many of them. Homeless people. They're homeless. They got issues. Or they come to your uh, private practice office and they got something wrong with them. You don't know what. Mm-hmm. Then as a pastor, it's the same way. People come to you, I'm having problems. So I had to learn that most of us got problems
2: <laughs> in many areas. Sometimes Some to realize it, it, what's not wrong with them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people have to like realize what's right with them. You know what I mean?
0: <laughs> like, they think where, something's
2: wrong with them, and it's like, well, that's, you know, or they think where, everything's wrong with them. Um, yep.
1: What I had to learn yeah. to do when it was I was working with and still do with very severely abused people is say, "I love you. I'm your mama." Okay. God loves you. Hey, you've had a bad life. You've done some bad things. And bad things have happened to you. But you're still loved. And that is where we as children, you know, when we disobeyed mom and we got spanked, most of them did it in love. They were disciplining us, teaching us. When you get out there and there's the red light, you're to stop because you, you've got to follow the laws, okay? And you do that because you love the law, you love other people. You do. So love was instrumental. And what happens, a therapist in mental health can't really express that. They can just talk over your issues as you present them and bring up ideas and recommend you, you know, to say. Th- uh medicine which a lot of people need the, the brain which holds our memories is neural electrical it's chemical electrical okay you know you've seen a lot of stories about the football players getting head concussions and breaking the blood vessels and causing issues after they come out of football it happens in sexual abuse You'd, and if you had any violence with it, um, all kinds of things go off. Cortisol, hormones get turned on every time, it nerves and you get touchy. So we have to be able to define what healing is for the inside of us. So, Annie, would you say that you have other areas inside of you even now that still need healing? Oh yes, absolutely. Even though my life is like a a wonderful life and I'm very happy, I still have things that need healing. Yes. Okay. One and of the so be- one of the biggest things is is um, I use food for comfort, and that's no good for okay. my health. You know why you do that? Food Cause is it a works. drug. Well, here's what happens. Mm. Food is a drug, Mm -hmm. just like marijuana, alcohol, uh, opiates. When it gets in your stomach, okay, it a chemical change occurs in your body. Blood goes to digest it. You get warm. You get comfortable. You get sleepy. Okay. Same thing when people want to feel. At peace, they do marijuana, they do other drugs, heroin. It's the best. Oh my God, that is what we're all feeding. <laughs> right? it is. It is the uh, okay. Orgasm is the same way. Okay, it's a. It's what it does is the peace that comes. It's so tremendous. Food is just a, a drug okay, it's no different, and uh, we're usually oblivious to what it's doing to our body, or we don't really know, we just um, know, (coughs) we feel warm and comforted, and we feel at peace, and it's peace that the soul is seeking through the physical body, that's all. And what happens hmm. is it's the only way we know our soul is trying to find some kind of peace. And it has to work through the physical body, the eyes, the five senses. And, and it is using the body, okay, for pleasure, excitement, joy, peace, uh, to avoid pain, and the soul is trying to change chemicals in its body because then chemicals get into the brain, kicks in memories or pleasures or whatever. And the soul that's in there becomes, oh, I feel so good. I'm at peace. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: A- and then the food is gone. And, okay. Also the mouth, the tongue, it wants to crunch. The the taste buds, the mouth is almost a sexual organ, and the hands, they all want to be involved in getting peace. And it's sort of a self-medication that we Mm -hmm. do, and it doesn't seem uh, like it's illegal or it's wrong, and we can do it in the privacy of our home. You know, why do people go? I mean, we all do it. We watch a movie, a TV, and we just put popcorn. We're mesmerized, and our hand is just going to our mouth, and we're chewing. Mm -hmm. We just uh, uh, automatically... Why do we do that? Where did we learn that, you know? And we were taught as children... (laughs) We were taught... Well, that's your mouth. Okay, your mouth is a sensory organ, and it is trying the... What that happens is chemicals... Electrical chemicals and nerves get turned on in the body, and the body feels pleasure, peace. Then the soul is joyful, okay? And so healing's um, mm -hmm. got to come in a balance, and you have to learn uh, what in me got broke. And it might be like you got an apple pie, and it's been sliced up into many slices. And you take one little slice of that apple pie, one little part of yourself like Annie did with her self-esteem. Then you move on to another part. Maybe it's trust. Then you move on to another part. How do I find peace? Then you move on to another part. How do I feel safe? And so you work your way through all the areas that got distorted and disrupted in childhood. Because our parents were supposed to teach us how, what that looked like. We're sitting and watching them at home. You know, when we can't talk and we're listening to television, music, and we're watching our siblings and stuff, we're supposed to be learning about that. And when that gets disrupted because of child abuse, we learn something. But it's not something that is good and can help us. So it is,
2: we got about seven minutes left. It looks like it's about oh, eight. Could I could I say something just because of, like, cause of yeah. what Annie said? And I really just wanted to kind of respond to that because I, you know, because I dealt with an yeah. eating disorder. And I, I know that it lights up your brain at first, um, but then, uh-huh. I mean, it it's also can be unpleasant um, and just something uh-huh. that people kind of get stuck in. But there's something that, I read that really spoke to me because I did research on this for my master's degree. And Mm -hmm. um, so actually when we feel abandoned, we salivate Mm -hmm. and it has to do probably with like when you cry that you're fed. And so like it was profound for me to make that connection that it's, Mm But it's really what I want right now is to feel comforted and to feel loved and to feel Mm -hmm. love. And so, like, if you can get into that space of just, like, feeling loved and, Mm -hmm. like, knowing that you're just as important as anybody else, like, you're not crap because crap happened to you. You know, and, mm-hmm. and, and it's also, yeah. like, a really big deal to me that we started saying instead of, like, what's wrong with you, it's what happened to you. It's not what's wrong mm-hmm. with you. It's what happened to you mm-hmm. that you are possibly recovering from or that you need to talk about right now. It's not that you're not defective. You're not. You're, you know oh, what well I mean? And, what and, you and you deserve love. And you deserve to be, you know. And, and I also feel like... um this forgiveness is like twofold because it, it kind of can help. And I, and I don't mean this in like an over-idealistic way, like that you just forgive people for terrible things that they've done to you, but you can let go of that rage. You don't have to let it destroy you. And also it's like when you realize that people are human beings, like when you were talking before, um, about, um, I'm sorry, Deborah, about like, uh, um, You were just talking about like patterns that people learned, right? And Mm -hmm. so when they're acting like that, it's kind of like what they learned. And if you can see it like that, Mm -hmm. it can kind of like help distance it from being so hurtful. And you can just feel a little bit better. And you can forgive yourself because you're just Mm -hmm. doing your best every day too. And how could you do any better than your best today? And it doesn't mean that Mm -hmm. tomorrow your best isn't going to be better, you know? And it's like we have Mm -hmm. good days Mm -hmm. and we have bad days. And it's just learning to love and accept yourself. Yeah, I'm done. And here's watching. the thing. Okay. <laughs> what, oh, I'll,
1: I'll try. what happens is, it is hard to love yourself when yourself is not anchored by someone who loves you. When your mouth is salivating, it wants the breast. It wants to nurse. It wants that milk. It wants to fall asleep in trusted arms, feel safe. It wants that. And if that's been disrupted in that connection, and food becomes a replacement for that love. Okay, food and love go together because it's at the blood. So if you
2: find a way to comfort yourself, then you right. are feeling Self-loving. that, like, I need comfort right now. So what helps you feel yes. good? Like, you can light a candle yes. and take some deep yes. breaths and give yourself a hug and, like, do things that actually improve uh-huh. Uh-huh. how you feel.
1: Because what was supposed to have been there to anchor you when you go out was knowing you were loved, you know, from your mama. You were protected by your father. He's not as loving and kind, but he's the protection. And you had that to go out into the world. And you could always run home because they would be there. And, um, but that got all disrupted, got broken in the home. But you're still trying to get it, and you're finding any way you can, you know, food, sex, whatever, to get that. And I'll be quiet because it's about two minutes. Annie, and you can close us out. All right. Well, I don't really have anything I have to say to close us out except thank you for listening. I'll invite Bill to say
0: a few words. Be there, Bill? All right. Yeah. All right. All um... right. Yeah, I appreciate everybody coming on tonight. The, the four of us um, have, you know, done a pretty good job. I think, in a word, um, the thing that I had to start with to heal was acceptance because I was in denial about all the things that happened to me and that I was going to be okay. I could fix it all and I could do it all, and none of that was true. So at the beginning, I had to have acceptance to, of the problem is what it is. You know, I, I can't just get rid of it because I can't wish it away, in other words. And what, of course, I found out is you have to act things away. you can't You can't think them away or wish them away. But anyway, um, we do these shows for the listener out there. We want you to know five nights a week, uh, always at the same time across the country, uh, eight, eight Eastern to five Pacific, uh, hours is different, but the time is the same. And we hope you'll join us anytime you can. I want to thank Annie for hosting a good show and uh, Dr. Pastor Deborah for uh, being an excellent co-host, which she always is. And Cindy, thank you for calling in and actually talking.
2: <laughs> Yay. Okay,
1: thank I'm going you. to play the going out music. Thanks, everybody. Right. This has been SCAN right. radio show number 3057.
0: That's gone. You all people got after all